Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. My name's Adam. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I'm also the newly appointed West Hills pastor, which is very exciting and uh, excited for what God's going to be doing in the West Shore. You know, I woke up this morning and I uh, was getting ready for church and I got a text from one of the members on our team and he said, Adam, I just really feel like God's saying that maybe one day we'll be meeting at the, the big stadium in uh, the West Shore. And I was like, hey, that's some faith. Now, now we're talking. And, uh, you know, really believing for God to be doing some great things. And so glad that you're here. Glad that you're uh, with us. Glad that you're a part of what God is doing right now in this service. The Spirit of God is here, and God has been moving. And what I love most about God is that that even before we were created, God knew this moment was going to happen. And so despite what you've been through this week, despite the things that you've been going through in life, despite where you find yourself, like, like God knew that today you would be here and he's got something for you. And so be encouraged with that thought alone. Uh, we're jumping into a new series. It's called The Christmas Journey. And what I love about journeying, what I love about the Christmas is that it doesn't just start in a manger. And in many ways, when we think of Christmas time and we're in the church, we're thinking of Christmas, we're thinking of baby Jesus, we're thinking of the manger, we're thinking of the shepherds. But long before that, God began writing this narrative. God began preparing the way. And what I love about this particular series, what we're going to be doing is going through the book of Matthew. And Matthew, when it kicks into the Christmas story, it actually begins with the genealogy of Jesus. It begins by listing off all of Jesus' ancestors. And that's, it's kind of a fascinating way to start a conversation. Because you may or may not be aware of this, but the Christmas journey actually begins with a genealogy. And this genealogy is extraordinarily profound. Let's look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, and, and we'll just start from there. It says this. It says, this is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah. Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus, the, the, the chosen one. He's a descendant of David and of Abraham. Now, at first glance, it doesn't seem all that exciting. But you got to remember, when, when Matthew was writing this book, he was writing it to some people who were skeptical, people who aren't totally sure. Where is this Jesus? Who is this Messiah? Where is he? Show me some evidence and what I love about the Bible is it speaks to real life. You see, food scarcity, floods, those aren't just a thing that happens in our era. This happened in Bible times too. And there was people in the Bible times when this was getting written who were walking around saying, well, where's this Messiah? When's he going to come? It would be sure great if God showed up in some way, don't you think? And very similar questions were being asked that we often find ourselves asking today. And I love this because it ties things together. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 9, it's a, it's a classic Christmas verse. We say it all the time. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
Prince of Peace. And it goes in to explain who God is, this, 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 this Messiah. It says he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David, for all eternity. And this idea that he's part of David's lineage is extraordinarily important. So people were wondering, okay, who's this guy who's connected to David? Who's this Messiah that's going to come? And for 700 years, people were, were, were walking through society saying, where is he? Is it you? Is it him? Is it this? Is it that? Trying to figure it out. And in Matthew verse 1, chapter 1, it's like, listen, ladies and gentlemen, the wait is over. Let me show you who he is. Let me provide some context. I'm not just pulling this out of my hat here. Like this is, this is real. Watch. And he says, verse two, Abraham. Okay, you all know Abraham? Okay, watch. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. And what he does is he starts to list the genealogies all the way from Abraham, all the way down to Jesus. But what's fascinating about this particular genealogy is that it wasn't common to mention the women. You typically just go through the names. and You say, okay, Abraham was father of Isaac, Isaac father of Jacob, and so on and so on. Father and father and father and father. But Matthew highlights Tamar. And it doesn't just highlight Tamar. What we're going to find is he actually highlights five different women in this particular genealogy, which was extraordinarily uncommon. You didn't, you didn't do that. You didn't have to do that. But Matthew did it. And there's a reason why he did it. Because there's a, it's important that we see that, that women are included in this journey. It's important that we see also that these particular women lived on the, kind of in the margins of society. And he's painting this broad picture because people undoubtedly would have assumed that all of Jesus' ancestors and his lineage would have been very Jesus-y type people. Would have been very perfect people, very pristine people, probably all males because in this time and unfortunately in our era we get this assumption that it's only guys who know what's going on. And he's like, no. I'm going to interject them into the story because I want everybody to know from now and forever that Jesus' heritage, Jesus' lineage included women as well. And Tamar is fascinating because you see, Tamar represents the, the, the lonely person in this particular narrative. Tamar is a very interesting person for him to highlight you see, David didn't have to highlight her. He could have highlighted like, like the, the, the shining stars of, of church history. But instead he picked Tamar. And if you're unfamiliar with her story, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. She wanted desperately to have a child. Desperately to have a child. And, and her first husband, he passes away. And because of, of culture and law and the way it's, uh, customs and the way it worked, um, her, her next husband, which was actually the brother of her husband who passed away, um, he was going to give her a child. But then he passed away. And everything inside of her was broken. Everything inside of her was feeling loss and heartbreak. And when you're feeling lonely, you start thinking crazy thoughts sometimes. Sometimes. 
It's amazing what you can justify as rational when, 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 you're, when you're by yourself in your head with your thoughts. And maybe you're watching online today and, and you couldn't actually muster up the courage to find yourself in here because loneliness is real. And, and maybe you're here and you're surrounded by hundreds of people but yet you feel so lonely and so by yourself inside. I want to encourage you with this thought that, that in the Christmas journey, there is space for the lonely person. Tamar, she panics. I'm not going to have a child. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? So she actually fashions a disguise and she tricks her father-in-law into sleeping with her and gets pregnant from her own father-in-law. And I am so fascinated that Matthew would say to himself, you know, you know who I want generation, you know, you know who I want people to know was a part of Jesus' line? I want people to know that Tamar was in there. And when I hear that, and when I see that, and when I read that, I can't help but sit back and be like, wow. That's a plot twist. That's not how I would have written this. But there's something to be said about God and his um, accessibility for all. And if you're lonely in this season, and Christmas is a hard season, I get it. I want you to know that Jesus gets it too. And Jesus sees you. And you're part of that Christmas story, that Christmas journey today. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of, 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 of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. We love Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz whose mother was Rahab. So first we start off with Tamar, who really in so many ways represents the lonely person, but then, and then he includes Rahab in this story. Of all the names he could have chosen, he adds Rahab in there. And Rahab represents kind of the least likely person you could imagine. Because you see, Rahab was a, was a Gentile prostitute. She was, she was a Gentile, meaning like, like she didn't believe in, 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 in the Jewish stuff. Like she didn't believe in that, that, that kind of Christianity, that kind of worldview. She didn't have that same lineage. She was from the outside. And on top of that, she was a prostitute. And, and what, he, what, he, what he wants to see here, what he wants to shape here, what he wants to communicate here is that in Jesus' lineage... In Jesus' family, as a part of Jesus' story, you find Rahab. And he's saying, I don't want you to forget that. And I don't want you to miss that. And the Christmas journey includes the unlikely people too. And I am so grateful for that. Because I don't know about you, and I don't know what your story is, but I can probably guess it hasn't been shiny your entire life. And I'm so thankful that, that, that the author of this book chooses to include Rahab 
Just to remind us that, hey, the journey of Christmas is for everyone. Everybody. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Now, Ruth is a very interesting addition to this particular passage as well. Because Ruth really, in so many ways, represents the lost person. Because Ruth was a Moabite. Which means that she, she worshipped other idols. She worshipped another god. And, and, and in Jesus' lineage, in his ancestry, in his line, in his genealogy, here we have Ruth, who didn't even believe the same stuff that Jesus believed. But the Christmas journey included her. And I find that so fascinating. The Christmas journey includes lost people too. It's not just for the primed and the perfect. But there's, there's, there's this broad door that says, hey, come to Jesus. Jesus came not just for the one, but Jesus came for everyone too. Everybody. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. And everybody's reading this and be like, okay, okay, so you got to David, but, but does this get all the way down to Jesus? Sure does. David was the father of Solomon, but before he highlights all the lineage and fast tracks down to Jesus, he stops and he highlights by name whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. And Bathsheba, I'm thinking, you're going to highlight Bathsheba right now? Like they're, they're, they're like, you didn't need to stop there. But he took a moment to say, yo, 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 wait, Bathsheba's important too. She's part of this story. You can't overlook her. And Bathsheba in so many ways represents kind of the last person you'd ever possibly imagine to be on that list. Bathsheba, if you're unfamiliar with the story, um, was so King David had an affair, an adulterous affair with, with, with Bathsheba, and, and she ended up giving birth to a son. And to hide this affair, he actually had her husband killed. And there was this, this real dark spot in his story right there. And when writing out this book, Matthew chose to highlight that piece just to remind everybody she's part of the story too. And the last person you could ever possibly imagine is still reachable. And it's still part of the story. And I don't know if you've ever been chosen last for anything, but it's awful. <laughs> it's awful. And it's as though Jesus is saying, hey, humanity, I get you. We're broken. And he says, listen, I'm coming to fix it. He's saying, listen, I'm coming for you and I'm coming for everyone. And the Christmas story doesn't, doesn't just apply to those people. It applies to you too. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. We'll skip down like 14 verses to save nine minutes. Eliad was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Matin. Matin was the father of Jacob. And Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And here we have our fifth woman who's highlighted. 
Can you imagine being Mary? Mary in so many ways represents the lowly person. I just can't get over God choosing Mary. What a, what a, what a, what a beautiful way, an unpredictable twist to this whole narrative. Mary, who in so many ways walks and bears the stigma of being pregnant outside of wedlock. Mary, teenager. Mary, poor. Mary, this, this very common, very, very normal, very, very, very regular person gets chosen to be the mother of God. And there's no way she woke up as a little girl and, 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 and she was playing with her doll saying, one day I can't wait, I'm going to be the mom of a Messiah one day. <laughs> there's no way. There's no way. And here God pulls this dynamic divine plot twist. And of all the people he could have selected, he, he selects Mary to be his mom. And there's a place for the lowly person. The Christmas journey applies to everybody. That's what makes this story so special. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. This is if Matthew's stepping back and saying, see, look what I did there. It started here, and I traced you the lineage. This Jesus guy, he's the real deal. He's the one who put the stars in the sky. He's the one who, who pulled up the mountains. He's the one who poured out the water, who spun our galaxy into motion. That's the Jesus. And he came to earth in human form. What a story. And what makes the story so unique is we can't forget that it starts with his family. Right? The Christmas journey begins with this reminder that Jesus' ancestors, Jesus' family weren't perfect. So I can, I, can, I can bet this morning that your family isn't all that perfect either. And there's peace in that. Because so oftentimes we make excuses and reasons and, and, and reasons for why we can't do such a thing or do a certain thing or be accepted or, or really embrace this Christianity the way, the way we, 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 we thought it should be. But Christmas isn't about just creating a perfect moment. Christmas is about this journey. And over the next few weeks, we're going to go on a Christmas journey together. And we're going to seek the Father. We're going to seek Jesus together. And it's going to be special. You see, you need to understand this. Without Tamar and without Rahab and without Ruth and without Bathsheba and without Mary, we wouldn't have the Jesus story like you and I know it and understand it. It all is sewn together. The Christmas journey includes the lonely. And the Christmas journey includes the least. And the Christmas journey includes the last. And it includes the lost. And it includes the lowly. The Christmas journey includes all of us in one way or another. Now, I had this dad moment the other day. And by the other day, I mean yesterday. <laughs> and here I am. This is not a hitchhiking accident. 
Um, here I am making gingerbread houses. And it, it's, it was fierce competition in my house. And it was three of us versus the other three. And my team was going to come out on top. And we devised this plan and uh, we did some research. And I learned that if you take sugar and you boil it down and you dip your gingerbread house in it, that stuff locks like cement. And I'm like, this is our secret weapon, kids. We got this. Mom's not going to know what hit her. <laughs> and so we dip it. And of course, I'm like, be careful, be careful. Don't burn yourselves. Okay. And we dip it in and we get it all perfect. And, and then I'm getting overly confident. <laughs> And I said, well, let's, let's do the roof. And so I take the whole thing upside down and I dip it in and I pull it out. And I'm like, I'm still alive. This is great. And then I'm like super confident. And then I'm getting the spoonful and I pour this, the, the hot sugar on the stuff and pour it all over my hand. <laughs> and my kids are like, oh, and I'm like, ah. And uh, it was an awful experience. Um, it burned. It hurt. I wanted to take that house and throw it out the window. Christmas was over, friends. It was over. And something really struck me in that moment. Because it felt really Christmassy at first, right? And December started and we were all feeling really Christmassy. And then all of a sudden we learned there's a mask mandate. And there's a 50% mandate. And, 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 and it just, it's just hard. It's not what we expected it to be. And here I am. I'm making this Christmas gingerbread house. And everybody's Christmassy. And we have the music on. It's awesome. I burn my hand. I get hurt. And all I wanted to do is quit. And maybe that's where you're at today. <laughs> and you've been burned, man. And it hurts. And all you want to do is quit. I read this story of people who have hurt, been hurt. And, and you see, as you get into their stories, you see redemption and you see, you see life change and you see how people turn bad situations into good situations. And, and it's all part of the gospel, all part of the Christmas story. And I can tell you, like, it was so real. Like, I did not want to make gingerbread houses anymore. <laughs> and then Shandy, they all kept doing their thing. She told me to put my hand in some water and I'm like, this is stupid. I put my hand in my water and I'm watching them do their stuff. And then my hand starts to feel a little bit better and I get these gnarly blisters and she comes and she helps me with some ointment and everything's great. But then I was able to get back in there and finish these little houses and the Christmas moment wasn't thrown away. And what surprised me, what caught me looking back is how willing I was to throw it all away when I was really hurting when I felt burned, when I wanted to quit. And I feel like God's saying, friend, you don't need to do that this year. I feel like God's saying, friend, I'm with you. You're not actually alone. You're not actually my last thought. You're not actually the least likely person. You're not actually lonely. You're mine. You're mine. And I want to heal you. And I want to bring you deeper into me. 
because I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. And I believe that's what God wants to take you on. That's the journey, the Christmas journey he wants to take you on this year. So would you close your eyes with me? I'd love to pray for you. Because I can talk, I can make you laugh, I can make you cry, but I, I can't change your heart and your life. Only God can. And so I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would meet you exactly where you're at. Father, I pray for each person, both in this room and watching online. And I recognize the sacredness of this space right now. Father, I pray that you would speak to hearts. For those who came here this morning feeling lonely, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would show up. You're a person. And would the person of God show up in their lives in a very real and tangible way? I pray that this Christmas season, Lord, you would surprise us with how close you are. For those who are feeling lost, those who are feeling low, those who are feeling last. Father, I pray that Holy Spirit, you would, they, people would be able to sense your warm embrace. Because the whole story of Christianity, the whole story of Christmas, is the story of you coming to embrace your people. So Jesus, we give you this moment. We thank you for what it is that you're doing. And I pray that this Christmas season would be so different than anything we've experienced in our past. Jesus, raise our expectations. Help us to see you for who you are and help us to see others the way you see them too. We love you, Lord, and we need you. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen.